All right, everybody, now's the time. Brown right, motion, tailback slant. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for fucking dinner, all right? On one, ready? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. In this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks for all Week 14 games across the NFL, get to Andy's total prop tees, and also your news of the week. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Atridge. How you doing, Andy? I'm not doing too badly, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, we had a wonderful week last week, didn't we? We had a pretty good week. We had a pretty good week. Um, yeah, Notre Dame ended up uh, in the top four. Uh, no surprise. They didn't have a game to play to make it there like uh, other teams did. But that's the way the uh, that's the way the rankings go. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Notre Dame. I'm, I know I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I don't have a problem with them being there. They're undefeated. Yeah, no, they have not lost yet. Now they are... 11.5-point underdogs to Clemson. That'll be an interesting game. I don't know if 11.5 points is uh, a good I line. Think, actually, I think it's warranted. Uh, Clemson is a really good team, but, um, well, we can talk about that closer to game time, but 11.5 is a nice spread that I like to uh, to cover, but I'm just hoping for a win for our guys, that's all. Yeah, for sure. You got to love those domers. But we also had a great week on the sports book last week. Once again, your your uh, teaser paid off. It pays off like every week. It's yeah, almost well, automatic at this point. That was a, that was actually like shooting fish in a barrel. We took the Jets and the Bills to go. Um, we teased them up six points. Um, that clearly covered. And Julio Jones uh, to go under seven and a half uh, receptions, and he caught two balls. So yeah, no, that was a uh, that was decisive. Also, uh, last week we introduced a new segment, which was the uh, member of the piece of shit club for the week. You know, because uh, we figured Dan Snyder is the chairman of the piece of shit club, but we're gonna add some members every week, if well, or as warranted. And uh, this week's member, obviously, Kareem Hunt. And how we, we fast can that a little later? Yeah, but we weren't really 24 hours into that before that happened. Like the chairman, it, it, it was usually like I compared it to sort of the employee of the month club at like McDonald's. And we had the chairman of the piece of shit award. And within 24 hours of us putting this podcast out, there was a new chairman. Yeah, Kareem Hunt, I don't know if he's uh, the chairman, though. I think Dan Snyder's a good chairman of the Piece of Shit Club. Well, but I think Kareem Hunt should definitely be added to the roll call of members. And I just, uh, it's so funny watching a young guy like that piss away his career or an opportunity like playing with the Kansas City Chiefs because he's being an idiot out at night when he should be taking care of himself. And, well... Do you want to get into it now? Yeah, just, oh, definitely. I think we should do it before okay, news of the week. That's for sure. This shit club segment. So apparently what I heard was the NFL um, knew that the Chiefs knew about this video, and they put pressure on them to not pursue uh, the footage of it. 
And this happened, this happened months ago, like almost 10 months ago. And they knew that this video existed. And the NFL put a statement to the ownership of the Chiefs saying, please do not pursue this video. And my God, if that, if that comes out as being true, I, like, I don't know what to say. Um, they've been on the wrong side of this issue from day one. And this just, it's just muck on their face, man. It definitely is. It does not look good on the NFL as a whole. But what I will say is Kansas City, and like I think maybe we can end this on a bit of a positive note here. Kansas City, you know, we make fun of a lot of other organizations for being perennially stupid, kind of like Washington, right? That's why mm -hmm. Dan Snyder's the chairman. However, you know, you've got teams like the Kansas City Chiefs that do a lot right. Um, they put on good teams and whatever, but this was something it came to their attention. They saw the video. They didn't wait for the lead. They didn't wait for the police. They took action themselves. And by doing so, they made their football team worse. They didn't just like get rid of a guy who's third string and they didn't really need him and they could call somebody else. To this was Kareem fucking Hunt. This guy could ball. And he was a huge weapon in that offense that Mahomes had. And for Kansas City to look at that and still be able to get rid of him uh, shows that at least some owners in the NFL, the Hunt family, they've got some morals. Well, I was just going to say, you've got an ironic uh, last name uh, dichotomy there between Kareem Hunt, who committed the crime, allegedly, and uh, Lamar Hunt, who was an upstanding man and one of the pillars of the NFL. And... They've always, there's certain families in the NFL, the Mara family from um, New York and the Rooney family from, from Pittsburgh and, and the Hunt family from Kansas City. And they've always done things properly uh, with integrity. And they, they, they did, they, they made the right call. And uh, I'm not sure how much of the Monday night game you watched, but I've been all over Jason Witten for being kind of a crappy, a crappy announcer. Um, but in the fourth quarter, um, he went so far as to say that he was a victim of domestic violence. And he put his own personal stuff out on the line and said that um, what Washington did was egregious and they never should have done that. And that, you know, I know he's employed by a network, but that took a lot of balls for Definitely. a first quarter. And as much as I get to lambaste him for not doing um, color commentary very well, um, he put his shit out there, and hats off to him. Hats yeah, off. That was a, a rare moment of candor, which was probably needed at the time as well, so it was well-placed. Yeah. So, you know, I, there's, I think some good's coming out of this and that you're seeing the league change uh, their mind, or at least some of the better teams change their mind. But then you also got to wonder, how soon do you figure till Dan Snyder puts in a claim on waivers for Kareem Hunt? <laughs> well, it, it's and it's funny, and let's, let's stick with this for a little bit longer. Um, now you saw their second-string quarterback, Colt McCoy, go down with a leg, a broken leg. Another leg. broken leg. Two quarterbacks no, in the same year with legs. broken legs. So now um, Sanchez is their starting quarterback. Um, there's a guy out there still named Colin Kaepernick, but they're not willing to consider him. There was discussions of considering him, but they didn't bring him in for an interview. And they didn't even reach out to see if he was interested in the job because that would be too much for the league to handle. Oh, I they, mean, they didn't even call him to be Sanchez's backup. No. 
Like, and are you telling me that he's not good enough to be the fourth best quarterback on the Washington Redskins, who, if I'm not mistaken, have the 28th ranked offense in the league? Surely he would be. He would, in fact, he would be the starting quarterback if you brought him in in time. Uh, My point is, is that you bring in a guy like Ruben Foster with questionable legal ramifications with that, but you can't bring in Colin Kaepernick, who's done nothing but um, passively voices protest against. Um, civil rights. So uh, that's where the league's at, and that's where ownership's at, and that's where hiring's at. So it's it's a it's a neat time in the NFL right now. Um, so to capitalize, the, the NFL bad, Kansas City good, Washington Redskins horrible. Way to sum it up, dude. That's great. That's very apt. I like it. All right. Well, let's get to uh, our news of the week, shall we? We shall. Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Philip Rivers and his wife Tiffany are expecting their ninth child, ESPN reported on Sunday. Tiffany Rivers gave birth to their eighth child in October of 2015. During an interview on the Dan Patrick Show in September, Philip indicated that he and his wife were happy to have more children. What's most remarkable about this announcement is that all nine kids are with the same person and while they were both married to each other, unlike a certain former New York Giants DB. I got Alonzo, who is five. I have um, Karis, who is three. I have my, my junior, which is three. I have a, my daughter, who just turned three as of yesterday. Um, I have another son named Tyler. That's uh, he turns three in December. I got another uh, daughter that was born October 16th named London. Uh, another daughter that was born named Leilani, who's uh, two years old. And uh, I have uh, my newborn with my wife. Her name is Jersey. A 69-year-old Dutch man has failed in his attempt to legally declare himself 20 years younger. He filed the lawsuit against the Dutch government, requesting that his date of birth be switched from March 11th, 1949 to March 11th, 1969. And his reason for doing this? He said he wanted to drop two decades off his age in order to improve his chances on Tinder. Now, a court in the Netherlands rejected his age-changing application, saying that while he is at liberty to feel 20 years younger than his real age and to act accordingly, Actually, changing the birth certificate is not possible. There was a precedent set on this a few years ago in the state of Massachusetts called the Tom Brady Rule, whereby you are allowed to pout and throw fits, date and marry supermodels, cut your hair like a 16-year-old boy from prep school, and to wear Ugg boots in public. Tom Brady looking sluggish again today. Not sure what his problem has been lately. Yeah, definitely not looking as strong and virile as he has in the past, Tom. Hot, 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 hike. A satanic group has added its own statue to a series of displays in the government building of the U.S. state of Illinois to mark the festive season. Placed between a Christmas tree and a menorah, the four-foot sculpture depicts a snake coiled around an outstretched hand holding an apple. It's the first display sponsored by the Chicago chapter of the Temple of Satan. The state government said 
that the temple had the same rights as other religious groups to have a display. Well, you know, this is in Chicago, so you got to think of it allegorically. You see, the snake is really a certain Packers quarterback, number 12, and the outstretched arm is not holding an apple, but in fact, a stinky piece of Wisconsin cheese. Who was it? Who could it possibly be? Was it? Oh, I don't know. New research out of the University of British Columbia says that cows can be optimistic or pessimistic from a young age and their inherent outlook can predict their ability to cope with stress. Well, this is just a great public service to the city of Green Bay, where Packer fans will now have the insight to better understand their wives and their complex bovine feelings. Everybody knows that the Packers suck. All right, it's time to fire it up with our weekly picks. And speaking of everybody knowing the Packers suck, they're at home again this week. Hoping for a better result than last week against Arizona. They are five and a half point favorites against the Atlanta Falcons, but with all the turmoil going on uh, on and off the field for the Packers, do you think they can actually cover five and a half at home this week? That's an interesting question, Maddie. Obviously, they fired head coach Mike McCarthy, but they also fired associate head coach Winston Moss for a tweet he made on Tuesday suggesting that they need to find someone who can hold Aaron Rodgers to a Lombardi standard. He was promptly let go. We know there is often a good performance from teams that start a new head coach. We know Atlanta's defense sucks. We know Matt Ryan does not perform well outside. And we know that this is Lambeau in December. So where does that leave us? Um, Green Bay's the last five, last six games, dude. They're spiraling, man. They're, they are spiraling. They are uh, not looking. They couldn't. On third down last week, they were garbage. And that's normally where Aaron Rodgers is money. And yeah. If they're not doing it on third down, they're going to have some big time problems. So, I okay, let's, let's put the Atlanta Falcons on the sidelines, literally. Um, I think one of two Green Bay teams will come out. They'll get, okay, we're not making the playoffs this year. Um, we'll keep Aaron Rodgers safe. We'll keep our skilled players safe. We'll not run them too much. We'll uh, bench them if we, we've got a lead. Or they're in fuck you mode with Mike McCarthy's firing and saying, okay, we didn't need him anyway. So how you dictate the outcome of the game is which of the, those two Green Bay teams would you pick? Well, teams usually get a bump when their head coach gets fired when they're doing that poorly. Usually. And this is Lambo in December. Yep. And I hate the whole legend of the frozen tundra because whatever. I'm with I'm with the Bears. You think Soldier Field is any fucking warmer in December? No. Um the Packers, I hate them, but with Atlanta's defense being as poor as it is <laughs> and coming off a coach firing, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers although he doesn't have near the weapons he used to, I think they win this by a touchdown. You know what, Maddie? I was, 
I hate saying that. I I I'm, I threw up a little no, in my no, mouth. No. I am. I, I'm looking at the stats. You're going okay. Everything really favors Atlanta um, statistically if you remove where the game's being played. But it is Lambeau in December, and Matty Ice is not good in the ice. Yeah, ice cold, buddy. And no, and I think more importantly, I I, I really believe that Aaron Rodgers is in fuck you mode. Uh, to Mike McCarthy. I think he wants to prove that he was the reason why the team hadn't been doing well. Oh, five will get you 10, buddy, that he'll be calling the offensive plays or the majority of them. Dude, like, come on, man. He was, he's been doing that all along. Oh, I know. But like, I mean, now he's going to have carte blanche, I think, because yeah. until they get like a, a, a new head coach that's been hired by the administration, this is Rogers last few games to show kind of what he can do if he's not restricted by McCarthy's. Well, they're, they're going to have to get a new coach. And if they do so, they're going to have to get sort of buy-in from Rogers. I'm not saying like a seal of approval or a veto power, uh, but you're going to want you're going to want him to be involved in the decision. So I think I think a game like this, he just goes out and shows, okay, this is what our offense can do when we, we're not, you know, sort of handicapped by this. All right, yeah, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think they can cover the number at home. I think a great idea for a hire for Green Bay for next year. I'm just thinking ahead because you know, I always think of the Packers' well-being. Is that uh, Yeah, of course you always yeah. Is that Coquette O-line coach from Miami uh, on the market? I think he needs a gig. Hey, babe. Miss you. Thinking about you. How about me going to a meeting and doing this before I go? I wish I was looking at this. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, they're at home in Arrowhead Stadium, which is uh, one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. They're six and a half point favorites against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I know the Ravens have a fantastic defense, but I think Kansas City, they win by a little more than a touchdown. I like the, I like them anything under six and a half. If it goes to seven and a half, I'm not so happy with it. Well, this is an interesting game. So the total is set at, at uh, 53 straight up right now. Baltimore has never played in a game with a total that high before. Ever. Well, that's because they've never had a good quarterback. And they've always they're, had they're, I think the odds makers are expecting Patrick Mahomes to put up 48 points. Well, <laughs> and well, no, and, and Baltimore's offense is showing signs of life. Um but Baltimore's defense is really good. In fact, yeah. um, uh, the, in, in terms of uh, yards per game, they're the best D in the, uh, in the league. And conversely, Kansas City has uh, the best offense in yards per game. So you've got these two things clashing with each other. And who's going to come out on top of it? Now, I think where the game's being played has a lot to say about that. You know what? Um, this line was tickling around eight at one point during the week. It was. And there was a lot of wise guy action on Baltimore. In fact, there's huge 
uh, money coming in on Baltimore. Now it's under a touchdown now. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm, I'm at six and a half. I'm so on the fence with this one. But um, it's December now. And Casey's defense licks ass. Baltimore is showing signs of, of, of hope on the offense. Well, Casey's secondary licks ass. The yes. front seven aren't too bad. Right, but Baltimore's good all over on their defense. Oh, I fully agree with that. But, I mean, you can be good on defense. And the way Kansas City plays offense, you could still lose by 10 easy because the way the game is skewed nowadays, the defense can't play defense like they want to. <clears throat> Like uh, I, I like like I said when this was up at eight, I wasn't. I was all over Baltimore, but I'll take a seven because I can get a push on a touchdown. But definitely at six and a half, I like KC here. Well, all right. So we do these picks for everyone that has an office bowl that they need to pick for. And at six and a half, I'm still going to go Baltimore. But if you're actually going to bet the game, which I suggest you stay away from, but if you're going to bet it, you know, buy the extra half point for a touchdown. And, um, you know, call it even. The Cleveland Browns at home this week and uh, one-point underdogs there as uh, the Carolina Panthers are visiting. Carolina was once, earlier in the season, one of the hottest teams in the NFL, and they've cooled right down, whereas Cleveland, since the firing of Hugh Jackson, is kind of heated up. I'm liking Cleveland in this spot. Tell me if I'm crazy. Well, I mean, you know, you're not wrong. Uh, Carolina's lost their last four games. Cleveland decisively lost last week so that makes them uh two out of three in their last three games four weeks because they had a buy-in there um because you know that's when hugh jackson goes out uh, cleveland's has a lot of time uh, to prepare for this now greg olson is out he's out, and that's a big loss he was a huge target for cam newton and then if you watch the game with carolina last week um there was a hail mary pass that they actually took cam newton out for because his arm strength isn't there which was curious because he's known to have the big arm so if his arm strength isn't there is his accuracy gonna be there i don't know um i'm liking the browns buddy no, we're new, dude. We're in new territory here. Like oh, we sure not, are. You know, this is not. This is we're in Narnia, man. <laughs> uh, no, we are. Like Cleveland is like, oh, respectable. Okay, coming off a loss. My God, this is uh, really going to be how Cleveland's front four handles Cam Newton in the pocket as well, though. Cam Newton's got a way of making things happen if you let him break the pocket. And, you know, pick you off with the five, seven, 12 yard runs kind of stuff. Yeah, but I, I, do. But, linebackers, I think the Cleveland linebackers have the ability to sort of quash that or at least contain it. Oh, dude, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that that's the Cleveland's front seven is who's going to dictate the winner of this game. And I think their front seven is better than Carolina's. 
And I think they can hold Cam Newton in check, not just on the pass game, but also when he uses his feet. Because Cam Newton's good for like a good four or five first downs every game just on his own with his well, feet. Yeah. And if you can limit Cam Newton's first downs with him rushing, force him into throwing the ball, uh, that's when Cam Newton usually gets in trouble. And Baker Mayfield's been playing quite well since Hugh Jackson has left as well. Oh, he's brilliantly. So, so you got to, like, I I like Cleveland here as a home dog, even though it's only one point. I like them here as a home dog. Hey, Matt, did you remember the Arsenio Hall show? Yeah, of course, man. The dog and pound. Do the, uh, the dog pound. Ooh, 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 ooh. Right? You get the crowd yeah. fired up with the Those dog Those are pound. all my people with genital warts this week, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. Um, yeah, let's go Cleveland. I love how genital warts brought up your mind for Cleveland. <laughs> Dugger. Sex is tatted on my arm. Got used to know my back. Cause I love the city I'm from. Hands up if you feel that. The Houston Texans. Man, they are on fire. And five and a half point favorites at home this week against the Indianapolis Colts. But uh, Andrew Luck's been getting better as the season goes on. Indianapolis, they're no chump. Is Houston five and a half points better than them? Well, we talked about this last week, and I, I, I suggested that Houston wasn't nearly as good as their record. I think they were a very uh, full team, F-A-U-X, um, getting seven wins in a row. Now they got eight wins in a row. Yeah, you've been you've been uh, really harsh on Houston this year. It has not paid off for you at the sports book. It's not, and but Indianapolis, other than last week against Jacksonville, and Jesus Christ, you can't score one fucking point against Jacksonville. Oh, that was kind of painful to watch, um, especially for a guy who came off a nine-game streak of three touchdowns or more. Yep. All right. So with Houston in the in in terms of their the front defense, you've got you've got your clowns, you've got your JJ Watts, and you've got your Merlises. and they're going to hack Andrew Luck. Their offensive line has been really good in protecting him lately. Um, he's only had a couple of sacks in the last six games, and Houston does not have a great secondary. So I think that Andrew Luck can really attack that. And five and a half points to me in a game like this, no, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking the Colts to cover here. So let's look at the Colts' last four opponents. They lost to the Jags six nothing. They beat the Dolphins, but only by three. They cleaned up against the Titans, uh, 38 to 10. And they just squeaked one out against Jacksonville, 29-26. They allowed 26 points to Blake Bortles. I like the Houston Texans here. I just don't think that uh, Indianapolis can keep up with Houston's offense. And I think Houston's defense could do enough to to disrupt luck where he doesn't put enough points on the board to cover. I, I, I agree with your thought process there, Matty. But other than the game against Jacksonville, uh, the previous four games have shown that the Colts have a, a really superior offensive line and a great defense. Um, Andrew Luck has a lot of time in the pocket, and they can also run the ball. They're doing everything right. 
I think the, I think last week's game was an anomaly. So I think what you're seeing here, eh, let we talk about it all the time, the recency effect. And five and a half points. Uh, I'm sorry. That's just too much. But I no, I do appreciate where you're saying about Houston's defense. You do realize that the Jets put up 42 on the Colts earlier this year. Yeah, but that's before... I don't know if Deshaun well, Watson is, you know, I think he's a little better than what the Jets have put up on offense this year. I mean, the Raiders even scored 28. Jags 26. Like, their defense isn't that good. Oh, they are now. Well, I guess we'll agree to disagree then. I guess so. Well, one of the two games that's in the state of Florida this weekend, the Miami Dolphins at home against the New England Patriots. Miami eight-point underdogs at home, and we usually like our home dogs, don't we? We love our home dogs, Maddie, especially over a touchdown. And if you look historically at this uh, this matchup, you know the Pats have only covered one game against the spread in the last five games in Miami. Uh, they don't play well on the road there, particularly. I mean, they don't they don't play well on the road anywhere. Sometimes they can eke out some wins, but Miami's a school, uh, sneaky team. We said it last week against the Bills. They sneaked out a win, didn't cover, and I don't think this week is going to be a lot different. Um, like Miami, I don't know. I so here, here's the thing. Um, New England has the Steelers on deck next week. And I don't think that Bill Belichick looks ahead too much to other games. He just wants to take care of business where it happens. But my God, I got to, I got to assume that they're not. Yeah. I, eight points is too much. I, I, I can talk around it all I want, but um, I think my Miami here. And, and it wasn't like they had a decisive win against the Bills last week. In fact, they had no business win. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I like the Dolphins here over a touchdown. Under a touchdown, I like the Pats. I mean, these are two different teams. I agree that the Bills should have won last week. Uh, Miami, they have a way of hanging around, though. They do. Uh, right? So and, I, at home, I like them with eight points. But uh, yeah, anything, and, un, anything under a touchdown, though, you got to give it to New England. This defense has been nothing, uh, you know, nothing to be proud of. And I don't know. Kenyon Drake, I think, is going to have a good game against these guys. And I, I don't know. It's just too many points. Uh, We're seven, taking the fish, right? We're taking the fish to squish the pats. Not outright, but we are getting them to cover by eight points.
And now the second game to be played in Florida this week, the Tampa Bay Bucks at home against the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay, eight-point underdogs at home once again, a pretty big home dog over a touchdown. And, of course, we all know how week one turned out with this. You think it's going to be another shootout? Well, let's go back in time with uh, with Fitzmagic. With Fitzmagic when he was doing all that things, yeah, they the Bucks won forty eight to forty over this uh, over the Saints. I don't think that's going to happen this week, <laughs> especially after that win or after that loss. Pardon me, that they just had to the Cowboys on well, you, Monday Night Football. So, like you've got to know that they want to come back from that. New Orleans was a freight train, and the Dallas defense got in front of that freight train, and they won. They it did. Is. They crushed it. Um, I did not see that coming. Uh, I don't all. think anybody saw that one coming. Because at, at, at that time, they were the first team to not only uh, win nine games straight up, but to cover nine games straight up, and no one had done a tenth one. So that was the game. And I think they write the ship here. Um, this this is a really good, a really good New Orleans team here. They're playing defense well, and Tampa Bay is not playing well in defense. And they're toggling between two quarterbacks um, in terms of who's going to make the least mistakes. Uh, Winston threw a few picks uh, the last game. They're a team in turmoil. And I hate laying eight points on the road, but Jesus Christ, New Orleans looks good. And and they look what the Rams are doing. They they have to keep pace. I will rarely do this, but I will take New Orleans. On the road for over a touchdown at minus eight. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh huh, fuck you. Bye bye. The professional football team from Washington at home this weekend, and they play host to division rival New York Giants. Washington, three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Uh, I honestly think this is a gift uh, of a line. The Giants should come in this, win this handily with the fact that Mark Sanchez is playing quarterback. Washington couldn't do jack last week. No, they couldn't do jack last week, and it's no surprise. Uh, the quarterback... Uh, you know, taken out. Their backup quarterback. Their backup quarterback got taken out on a stretcher. And now they got Sanchez, who's not been there for, he was there for a week before to learn the playbook. Now he's got two weeks on the playbook. And they just brought in backup Josh Johnson, a product of the University of San Diego, who hasn't taken an NFL snap for over seven years. That's their backup. I think this is bad karma here for Washington, man. Um, not only is it bad karma, I think they're overmatched. I mean, Washington is so banged up on their offensive line in their defensive secondary. The Giants think they can win everything, and they actually have kind of done that in the last few games. They put up over 30 on the Bears' defense. That's a pretty good achievement. That's a good achievement. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to suggest that, you know, if you solely look at the quarterback play, uh, the Giants is the pick here. I mean, yeah, you got the hook at three and a half, but, you know, Washington is nothing. Um, nothing behind center. In fact, they have nothing in front of center, around center. 
Go with the Giants here. This is a good. This is a good pick. All right, Bills Mafia, we're coming to you. That's right, you're at home this weekend against division rival New York Jets. The Jets ripe for the picking as well, and Buffalo definitely hasn't shown any signs of giving up this year, uh, especially when Josh Allen is behind center. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Andy, you think they're better than a field goal? Um, you know, I'm not so sure yet, but, you know, if I could deliver uh, an A for effort for two teams in the league, both of these teams would get one. None of these teams are going to make the playoffs, but they are both balling, balling. They're, they're playing, they're playing as, as hard as they can. And you saw that with the Buffalo effort in Miami. And you obviously saw that, um, with the Jets playing the Patriots last week. So where does that leave them? Are they going for a draft pick? I doubt it. I think they're both playing for respectability. And there's no, there's no significant injuries on either side. I, I just think that these this is a classic AFC East matchup, which normally is a three-point spread, right? Just throw it up as a three-point spread. And, you know, these teams have kind of reciprocal uh, – uh, win-loss spreads. The the Bills really should have beat the Dolphins. They really should have. But they're not getting stuff done. I don't know. I'm taking them uh, here against the Jets, buddy. I like them at home. The Jets, what have they done? And what are they doing well, right they now? Close. The Jets keep teams close. They don't win, but they, they're good against the spread. And three and a half, I'm not sure if I like the hook on this one. I love the hook on this one. Bills Mafia, I'm with you. No, this is, you don't know. I'm okay, jumping through is... a flaming table right now. If you're so like a coin flip for me, because I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still not certain. If you're okay, if you're going for a flaming table in December in Buffalo, I'm gonna follow you, Maddie. I'll follow you to that table. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? The LA Chargers suddenly looking like Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. 14-point favorites against the Cincinnati Bungles. Chargers, of course, at home this week. And, man, they are playing some great football. That that comeback against the Steelers was just magnificent. Magnificent? Statistically, it's out of the stratosphere, dude. Never happened to Pittsburgh uh, before. Well, the, uh, I, I think most people know um, there have been... 224 games, sorry, 222 games where the Steelers had been ahead by 14 points, 220, 0, and 2. Like, that's phenomenal. And to lose that, my God, give credit to Phillip Rivers. My God, that guy, he's doing really well this season, and he's 
just doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He no, I really think being does. down in, with the L.A. Chargers, who aren't as glamorous of a team, they play in kind of a shitty high school stadium, and they're away from the East Coast media where, you know, that's where a lot of the talk happens nationally. I think he gets overlooked, and, man, the way he's playing this year, he definitely deserves to be talked about. Absolutely. So let's not talk about this game. Let's talk about their next game on Thursday night against the Chiefs, who they may have to fight for home field advantage. Are you calling this a sandwich game? I am calling this a sandwich game for the Chiefs. It's an almost wise guys sandwich game. Yeah, I mean, they came back from all that stuff against the Steelers, and they and and now they're on the road to Arrowhead next week. AJ Green has been ruled out for the season, and of course, Jeff Driscoll will again be replacing Andy Dalton. But guess what? The Bengals' offense is hitting seventy-eight percent in the red zone scoring. That's pretty phenomenal considering how many yards they give up on defense. And we all know about that. I'm just think I'm looking at this game going 14 points. Chargers coming off a big win, going in the next big game. And Cincinnati's like waiting in the weeds. I, th- I think this is a nice cover spot. For, it's just a bad spot for the Chargers. And I, it's not that I doubt that they're going to win outright. Andy, but I think. Andy. What? Have you not learned anything? What were we texting to each other just a couple weeks ago? Bungles gonna bungle. Bungles gonna bungle. Yeah. I like the LA Chargers here. You think so? I said it. I said it. I know we don't like big spreads like this. I generally don't. But every time I even think about Cincinnati possibly covering a spread, not even winning a game, just covering, I get to eat a big, fat bag of dicks. You know what? I don't want to be on the bag of dicks side of this for a change. I want to be on the non-bag of dicks side of this. So I'm taking the Chargers. I never want to see you with a bag of dicks. No, you really don't. This is almost wise guys, and almost wise guys take uh, 14 points. So that's what we're doing. Fucking 49ers. Fucking 49 Come on, nobody! Fucking 49ers Fucking 49ers Fucking 49ers Fucking... Come on, everybody! Niners All right, dude, to Northern California we go, and this is your territory, your San Francisco 49ers, and uh, they're facing off against the Denver Broncos. Denver playing quite well recently. San Francisco, uh, they're up and down, mostly down, but, I mean, every now and then they show you a flash of something. Do you think they got a flash of something to cover five and a half points at home? Did you say Denver and San Francisco? I did. Super Bowl 24, when San Fran won 55 to 10 with John Alley and, and Joe Montana's court. That's more than 25 years ago, my friend. Oh, Jesus, is it? It sure is. Which yeah, means we're A, we're old, and B, those glory days are long behind them. Goddamn right. Well, my first inclination was, well, home dog at five and a half. And then I'm like, well, 
it's Denver, and they, they've been doing well, and my team has not been doing well. Well, and then I saw an injury report today. Emmanuel Sanders for the Broncos. Perzikal in practice on Wednesday. And Sanders led the team to 71 catches for 68 yards and four touchdowns on 98 targets. So what does that mean for San Fran? Probably nothing, unfortunately. Um we're hey man, in, with Denver, basement. with Denver, Philip Lindsay is getting off this year. God, that guy is rookie just of the year up. nominee for sure. Uh, that guy is so good. I, I, I he was well, he was like Frank Gore when he when he started, right? Most definitely, and that helps a team like Denver control the line of scrimmage, control time of possession, which is really bad for a team like San Francisco that has a really hard time controlling things like that because time of possession can also lead to things like uh, field position. I like and Denver eight, here. I like eight. Denver here under a touchdown. Um, yeah, as long as it stays under a touch, like five and a half points is no man's land. But yes, it is. Yeah, you're right. Um, as much as it pains me, I'm going to go against my 49ers and take the Broncos here. Well, if it makes you feel better, you went against your Niners last week and uh, against the Seahawks, and that paid off. Yeah, I'm, I'm very aware of that. You know I ride with my Arizona Cardinals Most likely I'm a die as an Arizona Cardinal I'm going outside ripping Arizona Cardinals And everywhere I go I rip my Arizona Cardinals Arizona The Arizona Cardinals at home this weekend After a big win against the Green Bay Packers And now they're at home against another NFC North uh, opponent And that's the Detroit Lions Arizona three-point underdogs at home Matt... Uh, Matt Stafford doesn't play too well away from home. Do you think Arizona can carry some of this momentum into this game and, and possibly even come out with a win on the money line? Well, Matt Stafford has a history of playing uh, teams very well, but now they're in the desert, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. The cart, the carts ran for a buck 82 against the Packers last week. And the Lions are giving up an average of 120 yards a game on the ground. And in addition to that, they're giving up over 25 points per game. I think this is a pretty good spot for Arizona. Dude, um, I'm with you. I, I, they impressed me going into – like I understand the Packers aren't what the Packers were the last couple of years. I'll give you anybody that. But any team, especially a team like Arizona, that can roll in – to Lambeau Field and do what they did to the Green Bay Packers, you got to have a little bit of respect for them. And by torching them on the run like that, we were just talking about the Denver-San Fran game, about ball control, controlling time of possession. Uh, when you're taking Detroit's like a... They're like a basketball team that does a lot of running gun and a lot of high scoring. They need the ball a lot to produce a lot of touchdowns. Arizona right. has... Arizona's take both. Golden Tate, Golden Tate absence has become so prevalent uh, in terms of how they do game planning, and that was the worst goddamn thing that they've done all season. And oh yeah, that was them he, throwing in the towel. Well, yeah, it was them throwing in the towel, but you can really see how it plays out, um, especially in third down plays with Detroit. Um, they're not getting it done, and Arizona's defense. You know, look at 
Yeah, I, I really don't like them on the road here. Uh, home dog at three points? Yeah, let's go Zona. Don't look now, but the NFC East, it's kind of a horse race. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they're at home this weekend against division rival Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia coming off a big win last week. Uh, Dallas has been pretty hot. Uh, they're three and a half point favorites. I know this is a divisional matchup, but dude, I really like Dallas in this spot. I think Philadelphia, they did all right last week, but they did that against the Washington Redskins, who let's face it, they're injury riddled. They got problems well, they, at quarterback. They, they I mean, the only reason Mark Sanchez's first uh, first series went for a touchdown wasn't because anything he did. Adrian Peterson ran the ball for ninety yards. Yeah. What did he proceed to do the next drive? Throw an interception, right? So he yeah, pulled a Sanchez. He pulled a dirty Sanchez. Hi Now, listen. Let's look at just the scheduling part. So Dallas played on Thursday against the Saints, right? And they both came off um, a Thanksgiving Day start. So that was equal for them. So they had seven days both. But then Philly played on Monday night. And Dallas played on the Thursday. So you've got basically the biggest spread possible um, for preparation, Throw into that Dallas' defense just playing off the charts, which doesn't bode well for Philly. They are playing well. They are playing well. Um, I think Philadelphia's in trouble here. Their offense can't can't compete against that. Let's talk about this a little bit. All right, let's chat about it. I I, I don't think that they're out of the conversation because if Philly wins this game, they're in the driver's seat for the NFC East. If they win this game, and how can they win this game? Well, um, you pressure Dak Dakota, right? Um, that guy will barely get you 200 yards passing. Um, you know they're going to have the running game, so you got to protect that first. I I think it's going to be sneaky this matchup. Don't Dallas don't is- say Philadelphia. Don't say Philadelphia. Dude, no, they are just. They're terrible. They're so terrible. They are like one of the worst defending Super Bowl champions I have seen in my lifetime. Matty, their defensive secondary is terrible, just like you said. Their front seven is still the front seven. And they can put, they can shut uh, Z. Three and a half. This should be, I thought it was, I thought it was legislated that and they match up in prime time. It's going to be three points, and it's not. It's three and a half. Eagles on this one. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea With a rollicking song he sweeps along 
swaggering boisterously. His face is weathered. Game number two to be played in Northern California this weekend features the Oakland Raiders at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oakland, uh, ten and a half point underdogs, and uh, Pittsburgh. They they were so hot for a point this year, but they seem to have really cooled right down. This is not exactly like a matchup from the seventies that featured Terry Bradshaw and the Iron Curtain going against Kenny the Snake Stabler in the Black Hole. Steelers are coming off an embarrassing loss on primetime after giving up a fourteen point lead for the first time in two hundred and twenty games. And the Raiders are coming off a moral victory to the Chiefs by keeping it within three points late in the fourth quarter. John Gruden looks to be nostalgic and make this a close game against the Steelers, just like he did last week against the Chiefs. Uh, sweet home Chicago and my Bears are at home at Soldier Field this weekend. Unfortunately, it's against the superpower of the NFC, the LA Rams. Chicago three-point underdogs. Um, what I like is Mitch Trubisky's coming back this week. What I don't like is Chicago's defense allowed over 30 points to the New York Giants last week. Yikes. Yeah, well, you're right. Uh Mitch is likely to start, unfortunately for your Bears fans, so will Jared Goff. It's funny, but um, both of these quarterbacks were roommates in the past offseason. So they were studying under the same QB coach. In fact, they became pretty good friends. Now, going on to the game itself, this is a night game in Chicago. Starting temp is just below the freezing mark. What are these snowflakes from L.A. going to do, Maddie? Well, I don't know what they're going to do, but I can tell you what they've been doing this season, or at least recently, because of their last six wins, five of them have been within five points or less. And Chicago is the second-best rush defense in the NFL, so expect Todd Gurley to get frustrated early. They're going to have to start passing a lot, which Goff, they'll do. But Goff hasn't had any banner games recently, and if that pass rush gets to Goff, you might see the Bears... Turn it in their favor. Of course, I'm an unapologetic Bears honk, so maybe tell me what you think about that. <laughs> well, it's hard to match up these two teams. Um, obviously, the, the Rams have a better offense. I believe that the Bears decisively have a better defense. But I think what this is going to come down to is special teams. I think you're going to see uh, a special teams play that sort of turns the tide and it isn't Soldier Field. And I would expect that bounce to go in Chicago's way. And as well as the Rams are playing, and they're firing all cylinders. Do not get me wrong, sir. But they've allowed 30, 40, and 50 points, and 40 points, respectively, in the last four games on defense. I think Chicago's been going to be able to move the, the ball on them. I like the I like the home underdog here with your Bears. 
I like I like them to win outright. To be quite honest with you, and set a statement. Set a statement. This is this is where the NFC comes through. Stop bears. Stop bears. The Monday Nighter this week is uh, in Seattle, home of uh, what supposedly, I guess, is a brand new NHL franchise. Uh, but it's the Shithawks we're talking about, and they're not so shitty right now. Three and a half point favorites against visiting Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, I'm not really super impressed with them this year, but uh, I'm pretty impressed with what Seattle's doing. I think they can cover three and a half points at home. Well, you know, Seattle hasn't, you know, beaten up the Titans of the league. Um, I mean, Literally, not figuratively. Minnesota, they're still playing well in defense. They are. Um, I think last week was a little bit of an anomaly. Coming into Seattle, I know this is a uh, this is a tough place to play. It really is, and it's not a dome. It's not inside where they used to be played. These are two teams that are first and third and third down conversions allowed by the um, opposing team. That is phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And for some reason, I think this game is going to come down to a very. It's it's not going to be a. It's not going to be decided in the third quarter. It's going to be decided at the end of the fourth quarter. I would have to be an asshole to go against Seattle at this point at home. Even at the hook with three and a half, I'm going to take Seattle. So there you have it. To recap, we are taking Seattle. And Andy, definitely not an asshole. Please hang up and try again. And now to a segment that's been paying off money this year. All because Andy's proved the swami on it. Uh, he makes a recommendation. By the way, it's called his total prop tease. And it's where he makes a recommendation on a point total proposition bet. Finally, a teaser. We invite you, our listeners, to do the same thing on our Facebook fan page. A successful total prop tease is any combo that hits two out of the three. So, Mr. Swami, what do you think for week 14? Well, for our total, uh, let's go again to the Monday night game between Minnesota and Seattle. Uh, the the over is posted at forty five and a half. I see these two teams duking it out in the fourth quarter. I think this is going to go much higher than that. So take the over on the Monday night game at forty five and a half. Now for our proposition, let's look at the time that the first touchdown will be scored in the Bills and Jets game. And right now, twelve minutes is set at minus one twenty. So take the over in that it will take longer than 12 minutes to score their first touchdown. These two teams couldn't score at a drive-in movie theater. Lastly, Ortiz, Atlanta go up to 11.5 against the Packers. And again, another underdog, tease them, uh, the Colts, up to 10.5 against the Texans. So, Atlanta to go 11.5 against the Packers, and the Colts to go plus 10.5 against the Texans. Time of first touchdown in the Bills-Jets game to go over 12 minutes, and the total on mini-Seattle to go over 45.5. Three, two, one. 
thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 14 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week 14 games across the NFL. Please submit your questions to almostwiseguys at gmail.com or you can hit us up on our Facebook fan page again. Quick programming note before I get out of here. We will not be on the air next week. I am taking the missus and the kids to Mexico. So uh, we will be off for the week 15, but don't worry. We'll be back week 16 to take care of the last two weeks and the playoffs. So uh, please join us for those as well. Just stay tuned on our SoundCloud uh, page or Facebook fan page as well. So for any of the prognosticator at back at almost wise guys central i'm maddie buller get out and pick yourself a winner if you liked your podcast please share it with a friend if you hated it please share it with two enemies tune in two weeks from now at the same bad time on the same bad channel sayonara south of the border down mexico way That's where I fell in love When the stars above came out to play And now as I wander My thoughts ever stray South of the border Down Mexico way She was a picture In old Spanish lace Just for a tender while I kissed the smile upon her face Cause it was fiesta And we were so gay South of the border Mexico way Then she sighed as she whispered manana Never dreaming that we were parting And I lied as I whispered manana Cause our tomorrow never came South of the border I jumped back one day There in a veil of white By the candlelight she knelt to pray The mission bells told me That I mustn't stay South of the border, Mexico way. The mission bells told me, ding dong, that I must not stay. Stay south of the border Down Mexico way